This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome into Up in the Raptors, a podcast brought to you this basketball season by our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt, co-hosting this. I'm Taylor Vipolis, and this year I'm joined by national champion, the most outstanding player of the Final Four, and a Carolina basketball legend, the ACC Network's Joel Berry. Joel, the last time we talked, we were talking about the Clemson loss. Carolina bounces back, winning on the road against Miami. They went 75-72, a lot closer than the game should have been down the stretch with Carolina able to hold on. But what did you kind of take away in this bounce-back performance from Carolina? Yeah, I thought obviously bouncing back from a loss is always ideal. So getting a, getting a win, especially on the road, um was huge for them uh it looked like it was getting ready to be a blowout honestly i was getting ready to get comfortable say let's move on to the next game and here comes miami um but that's you know that's that's who miami is they're a good team they've been battling injuries all season um haven't had consistent lineups uh which can be a challenge in itself but they fought back and um you know took the lead at one point but I just thought the poise that Carolina showed um, in being able to continue to attack and uh, particularly in the second half, and we'll get more into it, but I thought they did a really good job with the adjustments and taking away some of the guys that were really hot in the first half. Um, so overall, I thought it was a well-played game. I thought um, Elliot Cadeau really stepped up in a big way for Carolina. Um, and then in the second half, getting Armando Baycott established but really picking up the defensive intensity and, and, and putting a stop to a team that we all know can get hot at any moment. Um, but they limited them and uh, they were able to get the win. I wish they would have scored some more, Carolina would have scored some more baskets in the uh, <laughs> late in the game, but they were able to still get it done. So uh, just a really um, poised and uh, mature win. With this North Carolina team, on one hand, this this game in Miami kind of highlighted it where they are able to build these double-digit leads. In the first half, they're up by 12. Miami gets all the way back to where Miami is winning at halftime. Second half, a, another similar thing where they build this lead, and then it, it's a two-point game before we know it. 
they do build a lot of double digit leads and, and they deserve a lot of credit for that, but they also struggle to maintain those leads. Yeah. But you mentioned the poise and they close out these games more often than not when you look at, at their final record. So how do you kind of balance that, that this team builds a lot of big leads, they lose a lot of big leads, but they're also winning at the end of the game? Yeah, I just feel like that's part of that's part of the game sometimes. But, um, you know, usually when you're losing the lead, um, there are a couple of factors. You know, one is just you kind of lose your principles, you know. You uh you start doing things that um are different than what has given you success. So I think that's part of the reason. And then um uh two, I just thought that um they allowed Miami to get comfortable. And sometimes when you when you have your foot on the gas, you gotta keep it on the gas. Um, and you have to know that teams will make runs, but you have to allow the team to beat you, make tough shots, um, and not just necessarily beat yourselves. And um, I think that's what they tend to do at times, um, you know, just by playing fast and trying to keep the foot on the gas. And sometimes those, uh, you know, those turnovers end up happening, bad passes like the one where uh, they tried to throw an entry pass to Armando. And it was just like, where was the pass going? <laughs> I don't know. But it's just like, you know, those little moments, you have to continue to stay locked in. And you have to continue to uh, keep pressing and do the things consistently um, throughout the game that has given you success. And I just thought that they got away from a little from it a little bit, and that's what caused and allowed Miami to come back in the, in some of those moments. Those head scratching moments when you have these eighteen to you know twenty two year olds. It, it, it's why we love <laughs> college sports. I I was talking to somebody during the college football season. And, you know, you get the same, like, uh, plays that make you scratch your head in college football. And somebody I was talking to was like, oh, that's why I like the NFL. Like, it's a lot better of a product. I'm like, dude, sometimes you need the drama. Yeah, you do. That's <laughs> what that's what adds to it. I mean, you know, it's it, it's part of it's part of the game. Now, I don't know whoever said that, but I've looked I've seen in some pro games and I'm like, what's going on? Especially especially when I'm watching NBA and I'm just like. Do you even consider that defense? I mean, that's why guys are scoring. That's why teams are scoring 152 points. But I, I don't know about that one. I think uh, I think sports in general, I think that's why we love it because sometimes, you know, the game is so complex and the game is so hard and there's so many different factors to it that you kind of have to – it's like you got to be – you have to be on one side of the spectrum sometimes to kind of make those adjustments and get it just right. But I feel like through all – Throughout all sports, you got these bonehead plays that just make you laugh and like, what is going on? And that's what I was doing at that moment. I was like, who did they see down there? <laughs> yeah, that was kind of highlighted when Carolina doesn't score a field goal the last 407. And they they have gone through some stretches <laughs> like that this season where they they can't buy a basket um in, in these bad offensive stretches. But talking about the the defense, Miami shoots. 47% in the first half. Uh, they shoot 37% in the second half. They shoot two of 14 from three in the second half. So Carolina's three-point defense was on point. You had Nigel Pack and uh, Norchad O'Meara combined for 34 points the first half, where Pack is, Pack is a, a bit similar to R.J. Davis, where he's going to make a lot of these tough yeah. shots and, and – 
um, when he when he gets in a rhythm, it's like kind of watch out. And then you have somebody like Omir who just bullies his way through everybody with the strength he plays with. 34 points combined in the first half. They get held to six points combined the second half, shooting <laughs> two of 13. In a large part, why Carolina was able to build that lead up so quickly is is how they defended those two in the second half. What did you see from a schematic standpoint on what Carolina was doing different to kind of take those guys out of their rhythm? Yeah, the one play that comes in my mind and um is the one where they uh the ball screen defense, you know, sometimes you can play that drop coverage and it does give a lot a a, a lot of um wide open opportunities, especially for a guy like Pack. So you think, you know, like we like you said, Pack is a lot like RJ, where off the bounce, they're really good. Now off the bounce is not your highest percentage shot, but there are a lot of guys like Nigel Pack and RJ Davis who can knock down shots coming off the dribble. So if you think Armando is in the drop coverage, now you're allowing Pack to just come off the screen wide open and for a pull-up jumper. Um, and you can't do that. And Miami is in is in like the I think they're in the 90th percentile in um shots off the dribble. So you want to be able to put them in situations where they're not having those um, off the dribble, especially Nigel Pack, because he can be so good. So what did Carolina do in the second half? They blitzed the screen or they did a harder show um, on Nigel Pack to not allow him to come off and see much, uh, you know, see green grass in front of him and put bodies in front of him. You know, he's still a shorter player. So if you have Armando being up high, being uh, with a big body, long arms, being active, that disrupts his rhythm and makes him um get out of get out of uh get out of rhythm and then you saw what he did he threw the ball right to Elliot Cadeau um for the for the little man's layup um so you know that's what they did in the second half and really affected Nigel Pack in particular and then uh, I thought Armando wore down Norchad on the offensive end because he was they kept they kept feeding him the ball and they they were allowing Armando to play one on one. And eventually, I know Norchad is a really strong dude, but eventually those legs wear out and having to go up against, um, you know, somebody who has five inches on you, um, it can be tough. And I just thought he wore him out. He wore Norchad out in the second half, and it really affected him on the offensive end. Yeah, we talk about Miami was um, a bit banged up in in that game. They were they were down a starter. Um, we'll talk about Carolina's lack of depth that was kind of noticeable in this game in yeah. a bit, but Miami's I thought was was pretty glaring. It, it's it's pretty obvious that behind Omir that oh it's tough. <laughs> they don't have anyone. Yeah, after Omir, man, you just it's almost like coaches coach like man. I if somebody six eleven in the crowd, I'll like I'll come I'll come give you a jersey. And get out there. We just need we just need size right now. I mean, Norchad is already undersized, and then all of a sudden you have to go to your bench, and you got to rely on a freshman going up against Armando. And it, there's no chance. You might as well just stick it out with Norchad. Have him dog tired. He's going to give you more than what the freshman would uh, against against somebody like Baycott. But yeah, like to your point, it was very very noticeable that they are that they are struggling and, and facing a, a challenge right now with with the lack of depth Let, let's talk about that that matchup with with Baycott right here where 
Um, we've we've talked about how Carolina has kind of gone more through R.J. Davis this season and mm-hmm. less playing that outside in. But this Miami team, undersized, undermanned, uh, no Keyshawn George this game. That's the the starter I was referring to earlier. Yeah. Um, but w- we've talked about we've talked about how they they go more through R.J. Davis. But Hubert Davis has kind of been vocal, saying like we're still a team that wants to play a lot through Armando Baycott, and for us to get to our potential, we're going to need Armando Baycott to be at that All American type level. He has three field goal attempts in, in the first half, so that doesn't really show that type of um that type of need to to play through them but carolina gets omir in foul trouble in the second half they play more of that outside in game or the inside out game with baycott he kind of gets going finishes with 10 points 15 rebounds what did you see from him in in this game and just carolina's want to play that inside out type of style yeah i thought what coach davis said about bringing armando into the office and telling him like no, we need you to be a dude. Like, we need you to be the Armando Baycott that we know you can be dominating, uh, demanding the ball down low and using that skill and that ability that he has. And I love that because they do need him. They will need him. Look, every game presents something different. And obviously, we know we just don't – Carolina just doesn't want to force feed it down to Armando Baycott. Obviously, he has to have an opportunity. Um, But I just think that – like anytime his numbers are showing in the half court, um, get it down to him. Cause I really do like him. Even if he's, you know, a step or two off the block, I think that little spin move down on the baseline helps. Um, and then you just think about the amount of tension, not helps, but is effective. But think about the amount of attention that Armando uh, gets on him. I mean, it opens up other opportunities for guys cutting on the backside or, you know, they double team. Now you get a, a chance to play from an advantage. And I thought that's what they did in the second half. Like, Norchad obviously is a big physical guy, but he's still, you know, still giving up quite a bit, uh, a few inches on um, to, to Armando. So you're able to, you're able to get him the ball and, 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 and let him go to work. So I do think they need to continue to play through him. Now, like I said, don't force feed it. But anytime you see his numbers or he has an opportunity to score the ball, get it to him. And I was talking with Boozer and I was like, Booz, like even if even if you just look Armando's way, like Norchad O'Meara, you get him in foul trouble. Like you can get other bigs in foul trouble just by looking down there because you have to work so hard as a big to just try to get around Armando. And so now you have to foul him and then all of a sudden that that compounds that they got to bring somebody in off the bench which Miami didn't have anybody and now you give a chance for Armando to get himself going so I just think even just taking a look down there um you don't have to play through him but at least give him a look reward him for what he's doing um and you just never know every game presents something a little bit different we talked earlier about loving the unpredictability that comes with college basketball and college sports in general but one of the things it feels like you can count on every game with this North Carolina team RJ Davis he's going to be a bucket he's most likely going to lead the team in scoring he does it again going for 25 points it's his eighth time this season 
going for 25 plus points. What did you see from RJ? Because it, it feels like a, an every game occurrence and it's one of it's it's a very weird split for how he did it. One of eight from two and then five of 11 from three. <laughs> I mean, look, RJ, RJ is just playing at a really good rhythm. Um, the game is coming to him so easily right now. I know we look at the 25 points and, you know, the 5-4-11 from the three-point line. Um, but you think about the two gap categories, free throws. He's eight for eight. So what does that mean? He's being aggressive, getting to the basket, putting pressure on the defense, not, not settling. I mean, he shot 11 threes, which is a lot of threes. But, you know, he at least made five of them. So that's 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 good. But being able to put pressure on the defense and get downhill and get some of those easy baskets um, at the free throw line um, is is helps his team. And and as a shooter, sometimes you just need to get to the bat uh, to the to the free throw line just to see a couple go in. And sometimes that can get you going. Uh, but the one thing that I think stood out more than anything is his assists and then his defense. And I'll start with his assists. He had five assists. So just being having the opportunity, get, putting his teammates in positions to score. Uh, he had a kick out to Elliott Cadeau for a three. He had a um, like a kick ahead to Harrison Ingram for a three. Uh, you know, just being able to get his teammates involved. Um, and that's that helped his game because now the defense has to stay honest. And now he can get busy like he did in the first half and the second half. But um, and then defensively to take on the take on guarding Nigel Pack. I mean, he stepped up defensively, um, you know, has to guard a lot of good, good guards here in the ACC. But Nigel and Nigel Pack is one of them. And I thought he did really well on that end. So it was just all around just a very complete game for RJ, his attentiveness to get his teammates involved. Um, and just playing at really good paces on all three levels was just uh, – it was a complete game. Yeah, 11 three attempts is a lot, and you're shooting at 45%. It's like, hey, can we get maybe those 11 attempts to 17, 18? <laughs> He's got the green light. Hey, <laughs> he does. That, that boy got an ultra green light. I mean, no no thoughts about it. <laughs> and I thought it was also interesting. You mentioned his, his defense and, and – I thought he did a good job finishing possessions too with seven rebounds, second on the team. Um, look, look at Miami. little man in there. I didn't even see that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> a great, a great rebounder for his size. Yeah, he is. I mean, to be second in lead, uh, in rebounding as a as a uh five eleven, maybe six foot on a good day guard, man, that's <laughs> that's how you do it, man. <laughs> And then you mentioned him in this last one, one of those um, kickouts that RJ had on a drive. Elliot Cadeau makes his first three in ACC play. He makes his second three not too long after. He goes, uh, I believe, two, two of six from three, where teams are at least maybe going to have to start respecting him because right now they're not respecting him. They're just sagging off, waiting for him to drive. He's killing them on the drive still, 7 of 14 from the field. He goes for 19 points, 8 assists, uh, 4 steals, 5 turnovers. What did you see from Cadeau in this game and, and his performance that got Carolina this win? Uh, 5 turnovers, got to get those down, but you he made up for those um, with with his, his shot-making ability in this game. It seemed to me that the, the emphasis was on, um, and, you know, I'm speculating, but – 
just if I'm a coach and I'm in Coach Davis' uh, shoes, we can't have him on the floor and have someone treating him like Rondo just by sitting in the paint because that clogs up the paint. That doesn't allow uh, driving opportunities. And, um, you know, then that doesn't allow opportunities for Armando to potentially play one-on-one because now they can bring a hard help. Um, so you don't want to have that. You want him to be effective on the court. So I'm thinking that the coaches, Coach Davis was like, hey, man, look, we got to have you. We got to have you shooting the shots like we got to keep we have to keep the defense honest, because if not, then, you know, you can he, he is a phenomenal passer. He can get the ball movement, ball moving. But now you got an extra defender that's just hanging off and not being playing him honestly. So I think just having him being able to knock down some shots, um, even if it's not a lot, but enough to keep the defense honest and. And for for them to go into each game and say, okay, he's capable. Because when I think like I've had plenty of coaches say, no, don't worry about him. Let him shoot. And then a dude come out there and hit three or four threes. It's just like, coach, I thought you said he couldn't shoot. Well, I, I didn't say he couldn't shoot. He's just not good at shooting. And so I just think for him to be able to have at least that type of attention um, is what they need just to keep everything open. And I thought he shot the thing like it was a, you know, a last, a, a, a late shot clock type of shot. He was just stepping right into it and just shooting. And that's what they need him to do. I've heard one narrative from the fan base that, that has kind of made me laugh with regards to Elliot Cadeau, where they're like, man, if, if Cadeau could shoot, this North Carolina team is very dangerous next year. And I was like, man, if Cadeau could shoot, he will not be back in Chapel Hill next year. Y'all will not see him in Chapel. Y'all will not see him on Franklin Street. You will not see him in the quad. He will enter his name in the draft. And he is long gone. I was like, if he could shoot, dude, that's, that's the only thing the NFL, uh, the uh, NBA draft guys are, are knocking him for right now because the way he creates for others and the way he gets downhill and attacks, I mean, it, it is special. And, yeah, yeah he, he he had the five turnovers, but a lot of those is just his aggressiveness and, and trying to create for this North Carolina team, especially in those times when when they do go through. Yeah, I'm um, just I'm just nitpicking at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when when you're talking about, I'm curious if you've ever played with a teammate or or had a teammate who was in a similar situation, because you talk about getting the scouting report and being like, oh, this guy can't shoot. If you're that player and the person is so far off you, that has to feel borderline disrespectful. Not even borderline. It's very, it's very disrespectful. Like on another level, um, it. I, I mean, the, the the one player that I think about is Theo, um, just because he he has the same playmaking ability that that Elliot has and can really see the floor. Um, and you know, there were times where, you know, we were just like, look, if someone is disrespecting you, like you shoot these shots and we shoot these shots when we're just messing around the gym, like when there's no one in front of you, like that's, that's, that's how disrespectful it is. I mean, it's like the per like you're just shooting practice shots. And so like, not saying that you got to shoot it every single time, but at least, one or two because you just never know it, it it might go in and then all of a sudden 
now the player is like, okay, he might be capable of knocking something down the next time. And then now he respects you. Now you can go into your dribble handoffs. You can start playmaking and doing everything that you want to do. But it is it is disrespectful. Um, and I'm sure that was a, a point of emphasis, uh, emphasis is that we need they, they need Elliot Cadeau to be able to keep the defense honest. And, uh, you know, the jump shot doesn't look bad. That's what that's, no. you know, it's it, it, it was a little straight line, uh, straight line towards the basket. But just get a little lift on it and shoot it with confidence. Um, they need that from them. Quick break so I can remind everybody about our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt. If you're going to be in Chapel Hill, you could visit Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin Street. And if not, no worries. You could go to Johnny T-Shirt dot com and get all the carolina apparel you could possibly need with basketball season in full swing they've got the hats the jerseys the t-shirts you name it they've got it great people great customer service they are always running the best sales around there and don't forget inside carolina premium subscribers also save 10 percent off their orders joel I i thought when i was at the miami game one thing that has kind of been noticeable especially with Seth Trimble out is the the lack of bench production that North Carolina is getting they get only one point from the bench um some of the players look like they're they they might be regressing Jalen Washington really hasn't looked as good Jalen Withers minutes are are going down Seth Trimble is still out what what have you seen from Carolina's bench maybe like the last two games since Seth has been out, and, and how much of a concern would you say that that's going to be for this team moving forward? Yeah, you just get into a rhythm, um, and sometimes you get into a rhythm with being able to play certain lineups, and sometimes just having one guy out can, you know, throw a wrench in your in your game plan. So, and that can have an effect on other guys as well. And so, I think that, that you know that could be a small piece of it. Um, another piece of the pie could be. You know, as you get closer to the end of the season, some of those minutes start, cut. you know, the coaches start cutting down the minutes and they start figuring out who they want on the court majority of the time. And that could be that could be another factor. And that could be why Jalen Withers hasn't seen the floor much. Um, it's not saying that he won't. He won't because you never know what what happens from game to game. Somebody gets in foul trouble. Um, you know, you don't want anybody getting injured, but you know, it, it, it's part, it's the nature of the game that happens. Um, so you just never know, but you know, just having Seth Trimble out does have an effect. And I think that, you know, defensively having him out of the game really impacts them just because he's a guy that you can tell him, oh, we need some energy, go pick up 94 feet on the best player, wear him out. And sometimes that gets everything going. That gets the team going. It permeates throughout the team. And uh, so sometimes that can have an effect on you. Um, but I think that, you know, you know, I, it, it could be they need him back. But, you know, as far as the other players, you know, it could be a um, just, you know, shortening, shortening the roster a little bit as we move closer to the NCAA tournament. Before we wrap up, a big shout out to our friends at Congruity. Congruity is a North Carolina-based national coverage local presence company with personal support straight from the Tar Heel State. Congruity is empowering small and mid-sized business owners with HR and payroll outsourcing, enabling you to grow your business while they take care of your greatest assets, your people. 
and they are doing it with top of the line technology and services for every stage of your business's growth with a state of the art online platform. Congruity, they are obsessed with customer service where they become part of your team. They do the heavy lifting, providing essential admin support with a single point of contact and support available on demand with services that are tailor-made for you, transforming your organization. Congruity has helped hundreds of businesses improve and enhance their day-to-day lives, level up your HR capabilities, save money, unlock game-changing growth. Visit congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels to learn all about Congruity. Fill out a quick form to be connected to their consultants, and they'll give Inside Carolina listeners or viewers a payroll and HR assessment for free. That's congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels, congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels. All right, back to the episode. Looking at this team, big picture and moving forward, you look at their their overall record, they're 19 and five, they're, they're top in the ACC at 11 and two. If I were to tell you, knowing how hard it is to, to win in the NCAA tournament, knowing how hard it is to win the ACC tournament, if I were to tell you this UNC team loses in one of those tournaments, what do you think the most likely reason is? Um, I think it, I think it could be the um, the the guys outside of the main guys. In my eyes, you know, uh, RJ, um, Armando, uh, even Harrison, but really Armando and RJ. Um, you know, I think. Uh, Every team has its stars. Every team has its guys that have that do the most, you know, do the most production. But I really do think you're when it comes down to having an NCAA team or a national championship team, you got to have guys that are outside of your two or three that do the most production. You got to have those guys playing um, on another level, basically. And so I think that if if they if they have any problem is RJ having a bad game um and not hitting some of those shots because we've talked about it here too that some of those field goals can be can be up there and so he gets into you know trying to score more and then those shots accumulate and then now everyone's standing around watching him you know i think that could be one of the reasons why they end up getting knocked out out of the either the ACC tournament or the NCAA tournament is, you know, him having a bad game and then not getting enough production from those guys outside of him. Two games for Carolina this week coming up. It's going to be Tuesday, 7 p.m. tip off in Syracuse against Syracuse. And then this Saturday, February 17th on the ACC network against Virginia Tech in Chapel Hill. Joe, man, appreciate the time as always and appreciate everybody watching and listening. Yes, sir. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.